five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Poem podcast, your premier podcast covering both the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Lightforce, joined virtually by Jordan Atzer, Dr. Jam, the host of the One Man Watchpoint podcast, not here uh, as he is on uh, family duty and is also sick as a dog, is Omni at Omni Strife. Uh, we wish you and your family well, Omni. Uh, it's been a while since I've, I've heard your, your sultry voice. I hope you are healthy in time for our next episode. But Jordan, it's just uh, you and I. Thanks for, for showing up to this one. You left me all on my own, and I had a one-man one ready-set pwn-it with Till last week. Yes, it was a, it was a good episode, though. I really enjoyed, uh, enjoyed Till. Um, I didn't really know what to expect, having never really interacted or heard from him before. But uh, it seemed like... Seemed like you guys got along. Seemed like he was pretty open about talking about the team and everything. So, yeah, it was it was a really good conversation. Um, like I had never spoken to him. In fact, all of the interactions that I had prior to him sort of joining me here in uh, Squadcast, our our recording uh, platform, uh, was uh, through their PR contact, who also was actually there, sitting oh. sort of backstage. Mm -hmm. So she listened in. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was I think a really good conversation and the the level of insight that he was able to sort of share as to his experience uh, within the esports realm, you know, specifically with uh, Mad Lions and, and sort of his league experience. Uh, but then how it's going to translate to how they, you know, the Toronto Defiant are going to operate this season. Um, I think I asked the question, you know, so two year plans mm -hmm. are seemingly yeah, all the rage with the Defiant. Um, I do get the feel this is a multi-year plan, <laughs> but I can't say in years past with the Defiant, I ever thought that the multi-year was ever looking at year two. This is, it was always here and now yeah. we'll see what happens in, you know, a few months or a year. Whereas how Till described it, yeah, we're laying a foundation. We're not setting expectations where, you know, you, you win or you're fired type thing. We're, we're coming in, we're going to build this up. Um, uh, what I really, you know, found interesting is their approach to uh, player well-being. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you think about the conversation that we had um, with Sean Giltrist, uh, Papa Punk, and he had said, you know, as a father, this is this is an area I feel teams need to do better. Mm -hmm. um, Toronto Defiant, obviously, are are taking that to heart, but it's it's almost, you know, suggesting that the Vancouver Titans were on the right path pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. but maybe they were ahead of their time. And using a facility was not, which was never to be designed as yeah. as an esports hub mm -hmm. um, within the context of a, a league environment, but everything else that they were looking to you know acquire through Adamus uh, held true. Mm -hmm. Anywho, uh, it is you and I here, and there is a quote unquote Overwatch League ish action. Uh, the uh, Western Pro Am is underway. The first uh, two uh, uh, groups have uh, completed their matches. The second two groups, they're uh, this upcoming weekend, uh, uh, leading into a final weekend of, uh, I don't know. Tournament play. Pro-Am playoff action. Tournament play. Yeah. I mean, it is fully a tournament mm -hmm. in, in its experience, but Vancouver was in action. So we've got some results to talk about there. Uh, the Toronto Defiant, they will be in action. Um, and uh, we'll obviously talk about uh, how they did uh, in two weeks' time, as we are still on our off-season schedule. There's a little bit going on as well with the rest of the league that we'll probably touch on. And as with all shows we think will be short, uh, we'll probably find ways to talk about <laughs> uh, Fortnite, Halo, Final Fantasy, and why um, The Lost Vikings is a, a game that uh, needs to, to come back. We can skip that part. We'll talk about the other ones. We oh, can okay. skip that part. Okay, sure. <laughs> I can't believe you're a Lost Vikings hater. But you know what? We digress. Let's start pushing the payload. Moving the payload! Join me! So with the Western Pro-Am uh, structure... All the teams are guaranteed to play four matches. They're, that's the guarantee. Uh, groups of five uh, um, with the combination of your Western uh, Overwatch League teams with a few contenders teams from the West and EMEA mixed in. 
the Vancouver Titans uh, ended up uh, in a group with the San Francisco Shock, the Florida Mam, uh, a contenders team, uh, Trick Room, and another contenders team, Timeless. And leading up to the the weekend, it was very interesting to see how the scene sort of looked at the Titans and how they might perform. I think there are quite a few out there that don't provide any value to what the roster has sort of been designed around. Um, There were some who suggested that contenders teams would be beating the Titans very easily. Uh, I think the only real, you know, thought of the Titans if they were to win was that they wouldn't beat the shock nor the mayhem. And, you know, for argument's sake, I think realistically, when we look at those teams sort of on paper, I could actually say that the Titans are probably going to be hard pressed to be a shock or a mayhem going into this season. And again, completely on paper, not to suggest it's not possible, but with absolutely no, you know, play outside of scrims, you know, I, I could accept that. Um, what's interesting, though, is that uh, the uh, Vancouver Titans, their first match was against a contenders team in Timeless. And uh, much like the San Francisco Shock, who also in their first match had to play uh, against a contenders team uh, in uh, Trick Room, uh, the Titans didn't make it easy. But did come out on top. Um, so the, it was a best of three. Titans won two one against Timeless. But why I sort of reference the Shock and Trick Room match is that the Shock did not have it easy whatsoever and lost. So all of those you know haters who were going to suggest that the Titans were losing to, I think it was Timeless was the team everyone was was high on. The fact that the Shock lost to Trick Room really opened up a door. Yeah, it was. Uh... It was an interesting weekend of play. That's for sure. Um, like you say, I mean, I, it, from what I've heard, people were, at least in terms of Group A, the group that uh, Titans were in, um, Timeless would have been the one to beat. Um, but, you know, if you listen to Lemon Kiwi, who, of course, casted a few of the matches and actually helped uh, host it a couple of the days, um, you know, it, it kind of seemed like uh, Trick Room was really there to step their game up and try to play spoiler. Um, it was interesting though. It was really exciting to see these teams compete um, and especially compete uh, to a higher degree than like you say, I think most people expected, um, you know, the fact that shock lost out on their first match against trick room, the fact that timeless mm-hmm. took a map off Vancouver. And then of course uh, from group B, we had the uh, Maryville saints playing the valiant and of course taking that win, um, you know, it was I, I hope most people would agree that it was a good showing for these contenders teams. Um, I actually heard today, I think, um, on that other Overwatch podcast that, you know, nobody even watches. Um, I believe Lemon Kiwi said that she said for a long time, the, the difference between contenders players and Overwatch players is that contenders players don't spend 40 hours a week playing the game. They are either Mm -hmm. in school, they have their own other jobs or their own lives. And because of that, they aren't just grinding Overwatch, right? Whereas these guys at the Overwatch League level, that is their profession. That is what they do day in and day out. And most of them do that. And then they also stream it. So they're able to get, you know, to a higher level of play than contenders players. It's not that contenders players lack the mechanical ability to compete at that level. And I think that was pretty clearly demonstrated this weekend. Not only by, you know, taking maps off of some of these, uh, you know, higher level teams or winning in the case of Trick Room against Shock, um, but also, you know, beating the Valiant. Now, granted, Valiant's roster, which we have yet to talk about, um, leaves something to be desired and could easily be seen as more of a contenders level roster. And it seems like the org kind of just threw it together. So, you know, maybe there's something behind them losing uh, that match to the Saints, but. Anyways, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm actually curious. I, I know you didn't watch a lot, but I wanted to know what your thoughts were on the uh, best of three format. Actually, uh, I'm I'm not a fan. No, I, I no, and I mean I I get that you know matches go much quicker. It's just that you you lose that first map, you're buying eight yeah. ball. Yeah, that's um, true. 
there there's there it is a much different level of recovery i i prefer had this been best of five but i understand if it were best of five the timing of the matches is much more complex yeah. um, and as you had sort of pointed out many of the players on these contenders teams uh, have a whole lot more going on in their world yeah. uh, within a day-to-day than, than an overwatch league professional does i mean whether it's school whether it's work mm-hmm. a day job yeah. um you know, whatever else that they are responsible to, whereas the Overwatch League players, they are paid to play. Uh, their job is to play and, and they are made available based on, you know, what their contract requires them. The uh, results themselves. So, you know, the Vancouver Titans did get that that win uh, 2-1 uh, over, over Timeless. They then beat Trick Room 2-0. Uh, they had set themselves up very, very well. Um, it should be pointed out that in Timeless, you had a, another Australian uh, uh, tank involved in Kaffa. Uh, the only two Australians uh, in uh, the Pro-Am. That's right. Um, which is interesting in so much that you have an Australian playing for a uh, West contenders team. I'm not suggesting that that's not possible because, as we know, Punk had, uh, you know, obviously prior to his his overwatch league career um but uh just interesting nonetheless uh the shock they had lost uh, to to trick room um but then uh, found themselves uh in a better place when they took on timeless and beat them uh and that meant that uh, while the vancouver titans were still in the driver's seat the titans needed to take on a very strong florida mayhem team and then failing that match be able to go and beat the shock. Now, the Florida Mam beat the Vancouver Titans. Uh, it was 2-0. It was clean. Um, I again didn't see the match. Unfortunately, I was I was traveling as it was my daughter's spring break. But uh, based on what I heard, the Mayhem were definitively the the better team. Um, maybe things change in a best of five, but. Yeah. Based on how it was described, didn't sound like it. Mayhem, mayhem were honestly scary. Um, <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it, the funny thing was that, you know, the, the weekend opened up and weekend, I mean, matches started on Thursday. Everything opened up with Florida playing San Francisco and Florida took that, uh, two one, right? Which was interesting, but didn't seem too, too, uh, earth shattering or anything like that. We know that San Francisco's mm-hmm. playing from Korea. They're on high ping. Um, you know, we know that the team hasn't been scrimming too much or at all together yet, whereas Florida has. So it didn't seem like it was too big of a deal. But then, of course, San Francisco also loses to Trick Room, the first team that went down to a contenders team. And then as the weekend went on, we saw that San Francisco maybe looked, you know, less dominant than I think most people would have expected. Again, obviously ping, et cetera, et cetera. But I think sort of one of the stories coming out of this weekend was just how strong Florida did look overall. Um, <laughs> it looks like they've got a really good thing going. Uh, someone on tank, obviously we know that he was one of the few that they kept from last season um, and they've seemingly built around him. Uh, looks like the support line really kind of meshes well with his very aggressive dive style of play. Um, and as well, I mean, given that the dive meta right now is fairly successful, um, he makes it look easy. And then of course, you know, with, with merit coming over on, on DPS and, and checkmate, uh, as well. I didn't mention Chorong or Chorong, uh, coming over from Toronto, but just, it looked like they were a very cohesive unit. Um, so it'll be really exciting to see as a Florida fan, uh, how they can do overall this, this upcoming season. Yeah. The um, 0-2 start for Shock, the 2-0 start for the Titans, you know, I think had people pretty excited that there was an opportunity ahead. Losing to Florida, I don't think really softened that hype at all because the belief was like you have a Shock team playing on ping. Yeah, they got a map off of Florida, but they lost to a contenders team that mm-hmm. the, the Vancouver Titans were able to beat the circle of sock easily right? right you know so how is it that the toronto or sorry, toronto the vancouver titans 
lose 2-0 to the Shock. I, again, did not watch, but from how it was described, is it was much closer than a two-overwatch might suggest. Um, did you have an opportunity to, to see any of it? Yeah, I, I, I actually, the Vancouver games are some of the ones that I watched a, more closely than most of the other ones, although I caught, you know, had most of them on in the background kind of thing. I would agree with that. Vancouver put up a good fight. It certainly didn't seem like a stomping like we may have seen, you know, in years past. Um, San Francisco seemed like they showed up to, you know, after Thursday and Friday, they showed up on Saturday, ready to play kind of thing. Um, you know, they, they showed up kind of, I think with a chip on their shoulder and knowing Mm -hmm. who they were going to be going up against. Um, you know, hard, hard to say if it was a, a, uh, kick in the butt kind of speech from Krusty where he said, look guys, you need to take this seriously. Or the team just figured something out. Um, but, you know, proper showed up on, in those later games, whereas it didn't seem like he was as, as there in the first two. And, uh, yeah, nothing that, that's all she wrote there. Vancouver was mm-hmm. impressive, I would say. Um, overall in all of their matches, I never felt like it was not exciting watching them. I never felt like they weren't putting up a decent fight. Um, yeah, they got diffed occasionally, but I mean, certainly Lenny, uh, sugar free. He's, I, I, I feel like he has silenced the doubters, uh, just from this mm-hmm. past weekend's play. The uh, San Francisco shock with that win over the Titans finished two and two, same record as the Vancouver Titans, but due to head to head and the map differential, uh, shock had a plus two, whereas the Titans had a dash one, uh, meant that the shock got the second of two spots. So Lord, man, going four zero. But I think you know the Vancouver Titans should be happy with the record um, from this this program. Um, I, I think what needs to also be said is that the program is quite frankly, a warm-up for the Overwatch League teams. And it still provides this opportunity, maybe not for full experimentation that you might see within scrims, but that opportunity to, you know, work through some different strategies. And, you know, the Titans did what they needed to do. They beat two contenders teams. And And who did they lose to? Two teams that are on paper considerably stronger. So. And I don't think you fault them for that. It, it also shouldn't be understated as well that, um, you know, that there are, there are stakes to this. It is, it yeah, is there's, there's some money, but there is, yeah, there's money to be had. Um, and I'm sure no organization is going to pass that up. Uh, just, just cause it's contenders teams or anything like that. So, yeah, yeah. the, um, <laughs> actually, Yes, there is money, but really only the top four teams get it. Yes, it's true. And then the contenders <laughs> team bonus is out of the to- outside of the the top four. So the top contenders team and the second top contenders yep. team both get some cash, so long as they don't finish in the top four. Um, the uh, Titans, though, they get to sit back and wait for the season. The Toronto Defiant, however. They themselves get uh, a handful of matches uh, this upcoming weekend. So who is Toronto going to be playing? Uh, well, they get things underway on uh, on Thursday, uh, where Toronto gets to take on. Yes, Twisted Mind. Um, Twisted Minds is uh, a Saudi Arabian mm-hmm. esports horde. You might. Uh, they are from the Middle East. You might recognize a certain name on there. Yeah, uh, KSA right. uh, is is uh on this team i would presume they're playing on ping Uh, Um, i don't know i want to say i heard something about the emea teams playing in or around the uk but i could be wrong that's still on ping i mean yes it is Um, of course i could be wrong right but uh also um coaching the team is kareev another name that uh i didn't know that maybe recognizable to some, uh, but, uh, the defiant to get the whoops, uh, clicking buttons, wrong buttons here, uh, defiant, get things underway against twisted minds. They then play two <laughs> matches later against the Houston outlaws. Yep. Um, I think, you know, I don't know enough about twisted minds to know how Toronto will match up, but I believe the Houston outlaws match is going to be 
a tough uh, opponent uh, for Toronto, uh, especially to have to take on as a second match in the, the same day. Mm-hmm. On the Friday, uh, the Defiant are going to be taking on Red Bird Esports, another contenders team. Uh, Red Bird will have actually be have already played a, a match earlier in the day. Uh, they'll have taken on the uh, Twisted, Minds. Uh, Twisted Minds contenders team. Um, so, as far as as Red Bird Esports is concerned, um, again, probably a little bit uh, tougher. But uh, you know, as luck might have it, uh, Wheats was formerly the coach <laughs> of Red Bird Esports, so it's possible that uh, he might have an in as to what they uh, should expect. Um, but uh, again, more will be obviously determined as the weekend goes on, they get the Saturday off. And then on the Sunday, they take on the New York Excelsior who officially have a team and a roster. Finally. Um, Funny, but I, I look at this and I, I feel that Toronto is in a position to have a, a three, one record. That's yeah. right. I was, I was doing that as you were speaking as well. I was just checking to make sure my math was correct. And I think there's a very good chance 3-1. There's a slightly lesser chance 4-0. A 3-1 record should get the Defiant through. I mean, there are, I believe, scenarios where there could be three teams with three wins, one loss, depending on who loses to who. Uh, But, uh, again, I'm very confident Defiant are are in a really good position. And, you know, this is not to suggest I'm discounting New York completely. Who knows? They might throw a curveball. I don't know enough about Twisted Minds to say that the Defiant are the superior team, but I would like to think that a professional Overwatch League franchise has put together a roster and has access to the resources to beat contenders teams, especially one that might be on pink. Well, maybe we should take a look at week one and let's look at the San Francisco shock against trick room. <laughs> well, no, I know, but the shock were on ping, right? Like yeah, sure. they're the, the, you know, impact of ping is, is somewhat significant in a, in a, you know, first click wins game. Um, and the way the, the balance of, uh, I can't remember what the actual technical term that the league uses, but the way they balance the, the latency uh, from what I was reading, it only adds a plus 90 uh, to, or actually, let me rephrase it, not a plus 90. It raises your latency to 90 milliseconds yes. when you're playing another team who's on ping. So if everyone on, let's say, Toronto is at 90, but then Twisted Minds is all like in the 150s and 200s, yeah, that's that's still a significant difference when it comes to a professional, you know, Widowmaker clicking your head. Yes. That, that is in line with what I've heard as well. Supposedly the air quotes, most they will raise it to is a simulated ping of 90 to yeah. even the playing field. But if you're on ping of 200, you still have to deal with that. So, yeah. Um, we'll get into the results in two weeks time, unless some earth shattering news occurs and we record an episode next week. Uh, but uh, what that record that we think Toronto will have means they get in. And as we've already said, the Vancouver Titans, they in fact are out. Yep. Not much else is happening in the two cities. I mean, the teams are obviously focused on the, on the pro-am Toronto had a very successful meet and greet from what I could tell based on the pictures. And I saw online uh, Vancouver Titans, don't have anything planned as far as I know. And if they are, are planning on something, they typically share that like days before, which yep, I really wish they would <laughs> not do, but Hey, I mean, every team does it a little bit differently. We'll take ourselves a quick break here before we dive into the fray. This is awkward because, as we know, New York Excelsior has a team. They have a roster. They have announced it. The Los Angeles Valiant 
have a team, have a roster. They eventually discovered that they were able to reset their Twitter password and or 2FA and announced it. Yet the Overwatch League website still does not have those rosters <laughs> listed. And as is our process, until such time as it's on the Overwatch League website, it's not official. And I know that that's kind of silly because, uh, well, <laughs> one of them literally one of those played. teams played, <laughs> but you know, it still begs the question: Why can't the league get these things done? In, like, is there not like an intern that they can have updating a website? Like, I, I there's a part of me that wonders because if you've been following um, the news, uh, ATVI, so the parent company. Um, Activision Blizzard, they have sort of mandated a return to the office. <laughs> and I mean, there's other things also that have been at play for forever we've talked about. But with that mandated return to office, we have actually now seen a big increase in the number of people who are electing to explore opportunities elsewhere. John Spector, for instance, recently shared he was going to explore other opportunities, but he also did not reside where an Activision Blizzard office happened to be. So who knows if that, you know, has something to do with it. But then if we think about that in a broader sense, could it be that the people that they had in place that would be updating the website and doing this work and what have you, have they elected to explore opportunities or were they part of the group of people who were, um, told they're exploring opportunities as opposed to making this in themselves. I don't know, but still it's so weird. They've announced it. The teams have shared it. And as all teams include the, until such time as approved by the league, I take that being on the website. Yep. Yep. Anything could happen between pro-am and, uh, official start of the season. Maybe LA's yep. roster right now, maybe they throw it out the window. They say, no, we want to spend the big bucks. We're bringing back, I don't know. I don't know who they would bring back because everyone's already signed. We're bringing back Big Goose. Oh, so uh, <laughs> that would be cool. Um, speaking of the Valiant, did you see that uh, Liar had a, a jersey uh, that uh, was formerly uh, Paintbrush? <laughs> no, I didn't see that. <laughs> so I, I don't. I don't know how this happened. Like, was this a fanatics issue? Was this an independent, you know, printing issue? <laughs> But if you look at the jersey, you can clearly see that paintbrush had been printed on the on it, like on the back. They had then taken the the screen print off. Yeah. But having oh, been printed, it left, left residue the, yeah. or or something. So you can see this silhouette that says paintbrush and on oh, top of it, liar. That's hilarious. And, you know, I love it. It, professional organizations and operations uh, have uh, no limits. No. But uh, one team that still is unclear as to what's happening is Chengdu. Yeah, <laughs> or Chengdu. They, they, no kidding. That's uh, that's a big question mark, isn't it? Even on our our personal roster sheet that uh, Alex maintains, he has currently grayed them out as we are unsure. And said Chengdun yes. took took the the comment we had last show. Yep. Uh, and it, it it is so surreal because there's been absolutely no communication from the team. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like on social media since the uh, overwatch is no longer available in China tweet. Mm -hmm. They did, however, like soon after a couple comments where people were saying that, Oh, they're not saying goodbye to the league. They're just saying goodbye to the game, but they have also had their social media manager come out and just lay into Activision blizzard as well as the overwatch league. Uh, and he is no longer, I mean, yeah. I think the comments happened before uh, or after the no, the no longer with, but it is, it's just surreal that you have a team that, that if the league is running by the book has an, a roster signed to contracts, because again, there's absolutely no reason to, for them to announce it until such time as they want, but we have no way to ascertain what might be going on until the league starts up because in the East, there isn't a pro-am. The contenders teams have actually found a means to qualify into the Eastern region league itself. So who knows what's going on with Chengdu. And I, I know Alex was talking about, Hey, we should probably think about doing our power rankings. 
And I kind of gather if we were to go and do that, we'll have to just put Chengdu on a whole new tier of its own. Like others have who, who started to do power rankings. Chengdu so. zone. Yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, I enjoyed doing power rankings last year. I greatly look forward to it this year. It was the first time I did them last year, but, uh, I mean, this year's looking like we've got some decent rosters here, and we've also got some very empty rosters here, and then we've got Chengdu. So it's very much question marks all around. Um, I who knows? Maybe maybe there's one extra contender spot open in the East uh, with everything going on. One more than they originally accounted for, but. Anyhow, um, as far as the results of the uh, rest of the sort of the group uh, uh, stage or, or groups A and B, um, as we sort of talked about, Florida Mayhem, San Francisco Shock, those are the two teams qualifying for an 0 and 2 and 2 respectively at a group A. Uh, Titans 2 and 2, Timeless 1 and 3, Trick Room 1 and 3. On group B side, the Atlanta Rain and the London Spitfire both qualified uh, for 0 3 1 respectively. Saints. Two and two. Saints beat both the Valiant and the Eternal. Mm-hmm. They sure did. They, however, lost to the Spitfire and Rain. Mm-hmm. The Valiant, one and three, beat the Eternal and the Eternal. Well, they lost to just about everyone. Yeah. It was. Uh... I'm genuinely curious how this group. Look, could have like let's say Atlanta or London yeah. filled in for Timeless or Trick Room. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because if you look, like I have the image up of of the groups right now. Group A, three Overwatch League teams. Group B, four Overwatch League teams. Mm-hmm. Group C, three. Group D, three. So three is the norm. Group B has four, but. The uh, two of those teams are the Valiant and Vegas. And it's very much like they, it feels like this, this group has more Overwatch League teams. But because of that, we're going to make those Overwatch League teams the lesser quality ones. And sorry to Valiant and Vegas fans, but your teams are not as competitive as most of the league. And that's clear. Um, and then on the other hand, you have Atlanta, who's arguably a top team this year, right? Uh, maybe, maybe the number one overall right now. At least it certainly looks that way. So yeah, it's, uh, this, this may as well be a group with two Overwatch League teams and three contenders teams, honestly. Yeah. Well, and what's really interesting as well about the results is like you look at uh, the Eternal, the Eternal won one map over the course of the weekend. Mm-hmm. They took that map off the Spitfire. Like, yeah, who's there? There, there was a, there was a chance that the Spitfire could have lost yep. to the to the Eternal, and had that happened, you know, and I said I'm not suggesting the Spitfire aren't a, a good team. It's just that that would have just thrown that entire you know group into some disarray because you know Saints were only negative one. Like they had essentially the same record as the Titans, but a loss for the Spitfire. You know, I guess, you know, could that have shaken them up? Because as well, as far as matches were, uh, Spitfire still had a couple to go. And, you know, what's not to say that the Saints, you know, lose 2-0-2 to the Spitfire, seeing that there is a a chance. Um, but, yeah, it, again, Valiant and Eternal, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, it's it's messy. And, I'll like, I'll be honest, I don't think we've seen the last of the messy Overwatch League teams because next week or, or this upcoming weekend – we get to see New York in action. Guess who their first game is against? The Houston Outlaws. And were I a betting man, I would bet that Vegas, uh, or I guess Eternal, Valiant, and Excelsior, or NYXL, are the three bottom Overwatch League teams this year. Aside from Chengdu, who we have yet to hear anything from. Yeah. The uh, Group C... Uh, 
block. So we talked about Group D, Outlaws, Excel Series, Airbury Sports, Toronto Defiant, Twisted Minds. But Group C, which is also taking place this weekend, you got the Boston Uprising, the Los Angeles Gladiators, Team Peps, the Washington Justice, and Wisp. Yep. The team that intrigues me the most is Team Peps because when you look at their roster. Oh, is this, is this the one that is comprised mostly of former pros? Yes. Okay. Naga, Kellex, Krondor, mm-hmm. uh, Molf. Molfig, uh, yeah. Malfig, yeah. Uh, did Hybrid play? I don't recognize the name, but he could have early on. Uh, have. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I look at that group and I, I I feel that the Uprising and Gladiators should be the top two teams. Um, Washington has a good chance to play spoiler here. Um, well, but the, the thing, okay, who who would the justice spoil? Do you think it's the uprising? Like, I, I I feel the uprising are the team to beat here. I'm very this this group to me is maybe the maybe the most even group that I see out of all of these. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, if we talk about things as a whole, Group A, you've got some very strong teams with San Francisco and Florida. Group B, you've got one very strong team, and the rest. Pfft. Group C question mark group d you've got two very strong teams and then you know maybe a a couple contenders team and a lesser team but group c for me is interesting because i think boston is the one that i've said it before i don't think that their plan is necessarily going to work out i think they've got a lot of egos to deal with and manage and Hmm. If they don't have some success early on, we all know Stryker's going to go back to the shock. So that's a thing. Um, the Gladiators, the rumors are that they've been really struggling in scrims. But at the same time, I mean, take that for what you will. They've got a pretty killer DPS line. Uh, they certainly don't. I mean, I've never thought Dante was a bad tank. Um, so, you know, they've got decent tank lineup. Their support lineup is maybe the biggest question mark. Um, and then Washington, I just... I've never been a supporter of Washington, but I, I've always been a Ben best fan. The meta right now suits him. Uh, mm-hmm. I think his last season in the league, he actually kind of proved that he deserved to stay there and he just never got signed. Maybe that's a geographic thing. Who knows? Um, but I'm actually pretty excited to see him back. Uh, the rumors were last year that Flora just really needed a team to mesh with better and he could really pop off. Alpha Yi is awesome. And then support lineup that I think can hold their own. Um, I know there's some Tiro haters out there. I've never really, I didn't think Tiro was that bad. In fact, I thought he was quite impressive when he was on the Hangzhou Spark. Um, even if he kind of one tricked Kiriko playing it as a Genji main. Um, but I think they have a chance to spoil things. If Boston can't manage their egos and their balance all these all stars they have, they could spoil them. I, I, I think if the justices are a spoiler, so are team paps. Like you got two spoilers in that group, right? Like, yeah, you know, and that's, that's not a group you necessarily want to be part of where you have two teams that can be disruptive like that. Yeah, it's true. And then, I mean, that's, like I said, I think this team is just at a, I don't know, on paper, Boston looks horrifying, right? They look like an all-star team. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I don't think. Washington, like gladiators have a really good DPS line, but I don't think that necessarily means they're leagues ahead of Washington. If Washington can make it work. And then, like you say, if we have another contenders team that can play spoiler, I think group C is the biggest question mark, honestly. Yeah. Hey, we'll be back in two weeks. We can talk <laughs> all about it and see which one of us was right. Um, two weeks ago, I said, new Al skins were live this week. I want to, share that uh, the overwatch league is selling support your team packs where there's like three skins oh, yes. uh and a charm i was confused by you putting this on the run of show i was going to say didn't we already talk about that but we did but i i i i was just lazy i could have updated it but the the charm part is interesting to me because i get that they're cosmetics and they do exist but in what way do we actually get to see them yeah i know it all right let's let's go off on a minor tangent here do you got your seatbelt? it's time to buckle up i'm gonna take you for a ride uh as you know as i've talked about a couple times on this show 
recently. Um, not so much this season, actually, but the season just prior to this. I guess the start of season four with Fortnite. I fell in love with Fortnite. I got really into it. I completed the battle pass without actually buying the premium battle pass or anything like that. And the way it started was me wanting to see what a battle pass looks like in a, in, in the space, right? In sort of the, uh, uh, comparative scene, if you will. Uh, only really in the battle pass sense, right? Obviously completely different game, completely different game modes, style, et cetera, et cetera. But I wanted to see how the battle pass worked in that game. I think it is light years ahead of the Overwatch battle pass. Uh, I know you and I have talked about this a little bit, you know, off, uh, off the podcast and you have mentioned to me, which I agree with that it's a little bit bloated. They give you a lot of stuff that just isn't super interesting or exciting or needed at all. Um, mm-hmm. but one of the big things is all of the cosmetic items that you get in Fortnite are easy, easily seen and noticeable, right? You, on top of the customizability that you have behind it, you have your skin, you have your back bling, you have your, um, your pickaxe, uh, you have your glider, you have your trails for when you're, you know, dropping from the bus and falling through the sky and everything like that. All of these things you can easily see on yourself. You can easily mm-hmm. see on another player. And you also have this minute and 30 uh, lobby before each round where you're literally just on an island with everyone else in the game. And like for me personally, I just walk around and look at the cosmetics other people have during that time. And watch people doing the TikTok dances and emoting with, uh, you know, the, the Dragon Ball Z Super Saiyan emote and things like that. And I love it. I have literally more than once called my wife over to come watch this TikTok dance in Fortnite because it just blows my mind that they have these things. And the weapon charms in Overwatch, I think, were their attempt to add some element of customizability that you could make this character your own and really show off some style. And I just don't think it lands because first of all, you set it the first time and it applies that to every single character. So now I have the stupid health pack weapon charm on every single character. Then as I've gotten more, yeah, I go into my hero gallery and I equip a specific one for a specific hero. So, um, you know, for, uh, I don't know, Roadhog, I have a donut or something like that. And I try to, you know, match them up because I'm like, hey, this is kind of cool. This is kind of funny. You know, for Genji, I have the health pack because obviously. Um, I need exactly. That's exactly it. But you just never see these things. Like when you are playing in game, are you ever looking at your weapon charm? And on top of that... We can't. Well, I know that's a good point. They haven't put in the, um, I forget what they called it. The, the little animation where you check, look at your weapon. Um, mm-hmm. but on top of that, I also see them as this, this sounds a little disparaging to, uh, to the game developers and it's not meant to be. It seems a little bit like the easiest way out with the least amount of effort where they gave us this, it literally goes and sticks to the side of your weapon. If your weapon is your hands, it goes and sticks to the side of your hand and just kind of dangles there. And if you jump, yeah, it moves up 15 degrees and then moves down 15 degrees. It's just so static and feels very lazy that I think they were given direction of, we need something quick, simple, and easy to implement on any character. And it doesn't feel like it has the quality behind how I, the quality that I feel most of the skins were designed with, honestly. I think it was like Kuriko, the charm actually flips sides. So in, when she's standing, it's here. And then when you move, Mm -hmm. it's over, like it's, it's cause it's not following movement of hands. Right. Right. Or, and, and you know, that, that to your point, I mean, maybe it's a bug that gets fixed. How long did it take them to fix the physics of the cow? Wait until um, we're out of beta. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, 
I just, I don't see the value, yeah. but you know, you use that Fortnite example where you can see everything. Yeah. Like when, when I, you know, jump from the bus, mm-hmm. the moment I pop my glider, you not only see the millennium Falcon mm-hmm. appear, you hear it. Yeah. You see the, tr- these weird trails from like, I don't know, a PlayStation plus mm-hmm. pack that mm-hmm. I had that I just, I really liked. Yep. And like, you know, then when I'm on the ground, you can see my double size and you can see my, you know, unique skin. Like there's just yeah. all of this variety. And, and yet with Overwatch, we're not getting that variety necessarily. And I'm not trying to compare because it's not an Apple to Apple situation here. Fortnite's been around mm-hmm. for quite some time. They have been a license to print money, whether or not it's anywhere near enough to cover all of the collab, who knows, but why this sort of connects to the future is that the Overwatch dev team wasn't entirely sure how the One Punch Man collab would land. They actually commented about, we weren't sure if we can weave it into the story and how well it would be received, which I think you were overthinking it, bro, but <laughs> okay, I think. I appreciate your reasoning here. But now that we saw that people really loved it, we think we're going to be able to have at least one more premiere collaboration. Oh, cool. Yeah. Do you know that like Fortnite will have had like a bunch? Heck, look, walk across the hallway to the Call of Duty team mm-hmm. where Shredder is currently available in Warzone. <laughs> I can I can jump in as Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Right? They'll have a bunch of collabs. Yeah. Like it, it, it's... Again, maybe it's the the engine, maybe it's the code, the you know development time, the number of people they have available, priorities. I don't know what it is, but I just mm-hmm. nothing about the the cosmetics in Overwatch feels that special. It honestly, to me, for the amount of money, yeah. you're required to pay to get it. To me, it feels. I think in my mind. And this is something that could easily be said about sort of Overwatch as a whole. It feels last gen. It feels like they still haven't yeah. caught up to the times. They're they're stuck in the like like for example, I remember uh, you know other other competitive uh, games that I've been into or games that have a competitive mode or online multiplayer mode that I've been into. Um, you know, Uncharted two, Uncharted three, both of them, great third person cover based multiplayer shooters whatever what did they do skins right it's just hey you want to look like nathan drake hey you want to look like elena hey you want to look like chloe uh you want to look like lazarevich you just change the skin and that's it and it's like that's cool i like that i love that in fact i Mm -hmm. want more (laughs) yeah anyhow i mean if you've been paying attention to our show we've continued to talk about this topic uh week Two weeks in, two weeks out. <laughs> I was going to say week in, week out, but it hasn't been that frequent. And I'm sure it will be, though, once our, our regular season schedule uh, kicks in. But hey, you know what? Maybe uh, maybe things will change. Uh, we are apparently going to learn more about the new support hero uh, that uh, will shake things up yes. and will be like different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to hear more about PVE at some point. Yep. December 31st, um, I believe you have said. Yeah. So... Anyhow, we shall see. Um, one final uh, thing to talk about here in the fray is that the Calling All Heroes, um, uh, I was going to say tournament. It's not really a tournament. It's a full circuit yeah. this year is returning for, for 2023. Um, if you weren't aware what Calling All Heroes is, it's a, a gender inclusivity initiative. It's it's really about promoting inclusivity, but also supporting members of, of the Overwatch community who happen to be in marginalized uh, gender identities. Uh, we saw some very good, uh, you know, play last year in sort of the shorts build up to the eventual final. Um, but the 2023, 2024, uh, circuit is a combination of major and minor tournaments. Um, there are going to be a speaker series as well to, um, coincide with the, the actual circuit itself. And, uh, You'll have a, a league sort of championship qualifier or last chance qualifier uh, in January of next year and in a, an actual full on championship showcased in, in February. And, you know, as far as sort of timelines concern, 
the actual majors and minors will run sort of in, you know, coincidence with the, the actual Overwatch League. But then what is traditionally a very long Overwatch League offseason will have this, this sort of showcase circuit, uh, culminating again, January 2024 and February of 2024. Now the, uh, teams are all sort of, um, sponsored by overwatch league franchises. And so for the Vancouver Titans, it'll be Titan blue, um, is, is their representative team. And I believe tryouts are going to be happening, um, in, in a short time, uh, the Toronto defiant, I believe will be involved. Though I haven't seen anything from the defiant channels yet. Um, but again, um, pretty stoked to see this. And I, I, you know, I've talked about it on the show, probably from day one. I know you've been a, a big supporter of finding ways to, to make the league, but also the overwatch scene more inclusive. Um, and this is beyond what we're seeing from the New York Excelsior. Let's just be clear. I hope that what New York is doing is not performative. And I also hope that what New York is doing does not set progress back um, because of, and whether or not this was what their plan was along, we do not know. It's one of the issues with the rumor mill as it exists today. Um, but I think there is plenty of room uh, for more inclusivity uh, in the game that we love. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Here we are though. End of a show. Uh, just you and I didn't go a full hour, but it's not uh, as short as we probably would have imagined it would be. Um, but uh, what final words of wisdom do you have for all of our listeners this week? Um, if you like what you heard here, you should check out the One Man Watchpoint podcast available on podcast services around the globe where you can hear me rant and rave all about uh, weapon charms and cosmetics and uh other battle pass earnings from overwatch. Hmm. Yep. That's, that's what I got for you. Hmm. Um, what video game do foxes like to play? Um, well, I could say Sly Cooper, because that's a game about raccoons and foxes often eat mm. raccoons, but that's not a pun, mm. so I don't think that's it. Um, and it's probably not Lost Vikings, is it? No, it's not Lost Vikings. Okay, okay. I don't know then. Fur Knight. Wow. <laughs> that, uh, yep, that, I, that re- relevant I, I, to I actually. I appreciate that. Yeah, I I I I googled that because I figured <laughs> you know you you brought up Fortnite again. I should. The, my original joke though um, was uh, you know what do people say uh, in Overwatch when they experience uh, rubber banding? What? Oh snap! Mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I, I I like your your Fortnite joke better. <laughs> yeah, I I googled that and I did not have that ready to go. <laughs> I just figured out what the heck I had a little Fortnite. Oh, hey, uh, I didn't also mention this last show, and I meant to tell you guys, you know, Alex, uh, two weeks ago, but uh, it was my wedding anniversary the night that we recorded, and I uh, <laughs> may have... Um, Did you forget? May have not had my, my date straight, so nice. don't be like Chris. You slept in the podcast chair that night. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but let's just say that... Um, the look on the the wife's face was not the normal look when I say, "Hey, I'm going downstairs to podcast." <laughs> you spent all podcast pondering why. Yeah, no, I I knew before I came down here, um, and it, it's it's kind of sad because um, my anniversary is is Pi Day. Ah, I mean that's how I remember it three one four March fourteen, and so um, I knew that it when my anniversary was. It's just that I don't necessarily know the day of the month necessarily, but I could tell you which day of the week it is. And so that's the blur. Like, Hey, we're in March right now. But if you were to say March, what I'd have to look at a calendar. I have no idea off the top of my head as to when it was. And so I simply thought my anniversary was on the Wednesday. Well, but you haven't, it was not, you haven't said it yet. So I'll just apologize to lighter force and say, sorry for Chris. Uh, bailing on your anniversary. It's wife force. Oh, wife force. Okay. I figured lighter wife, wife force, would work yeah. as well, but, um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Sorry for Chris's, uh, ignorance and, uh, insolence. Yeah. 
She will appreciate your she, apology if and when she ever listens. I was going to say show. she listens regularly, doesn't she? Um, in the early days, she totally did just to get us the numbers. But now, yeah, yeah. see, no, not anymore. My wife does the same. Um, she will press play and then jump to the end so that I still get, you know, you get the number for the, <gasps> the listen and she'll download it as well, just to make sure that one yeah. goes up as well. But she always says that, uh, before or pre pandemic, she would put it on in the car with, you know, my then baby in the car because, you know, mm. you could hear my voice and my everything. Voice. Right. And now yeah. because I work from home and she semi works from home, uh, she now she just says, I hear too much of your voice, so I don't need to hear more of it. Yeah. 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 Too yeah. bad. So if you're looking for uh, the rest of our back catalog, ready join the conversation discord, discord, all the ready set uh, If you're looking for the one man watch point podcast, you won't find it at ready In fact, you won't find it at one man's watch point dot com either uh but you can find uh, jordan at sir dr jm and uh one man watch point is obviously searchable on all your podcast uh, applications just like ready set pwn happens to be and uh, if you've made it this far i want to stress we lead the show off by saying we are the premier podcast covering both the vancouver titans and the toronto defiant i want to stress the and it's still perceived that we are a Titans podcast. I understand why, but uh, I'm not trying to be a jerk when I go and point that that out to people that we're more than just that. In fact, one might suggest that the Toronto Defiant are much more, you know, gracious in the support they provide our show. And we actually probably cover them in greater detail and have more conversations with them uh, than we do on the Titans side. It's something I would love to change, but just I want to stress defiant yeah and yeah. titans so on behalf of the missing in action hopefully uh well in a couple of weeks time omni and omni strife jordan at sir dr jm and myself chris at light force catchphrase Thank you.